So did you hear? The Powerball is up to 1.1 billion. Now be honest with me. Have you thought about what you would do if you'd win it? I mean, I was thinking about that. After I pay taxes, I figure there's about $600 million. And I thought about what I'd do with it, who I'd give money to, and who I wouldn't give money to. You ever thought about that? If I won $600 million? That's what the Powerball is. Admit it. $1.1 billion. Wow. Used to be a million dollars. Now it's a billion dollars. Talk about a dream. You thought about that ever? Now flipping the page, if I were to wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and tell you that your worst nightmare came true, what would it be? Don't say it out loud. If your worst nightmare came true, I'd wake you up in the dead asleep. You wouldn't even know where you were, what's going on, and then tell you that your worst nightmare came true. What would that be? It would be the death of a loved one? Maybe a child? Maybe a parent? Maybe your spouse? Maybe there's a nuclear war taking place? Maybe you lost all your possessions? Maybe there was a terrible accident? What would your worst nightmare be? Am I wrong? Did I get most of yours correct? Just shake your heads. Yeah. But is that really the worst nightmare? What happens if I told you up and woke you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and told you that God is a myth, that the Bible's a hoax, that Jesus never died and rose, that there is no heaven? What would be the worst nightmare? That thing to which we look for in our greatest dream and that thing which we despise in our greatest nightmare, that is our God. So Dr. Martin Luther said this, A God is that to which we look for all good in which we find refuge in every time of need. To have a God is nothing else than to trust and believe in Him with our whole heart. To that thing in which we dream, and that thing to which is our nightmare, that is ultimately our God, the thing that we hold the most to. For the first commandment says, you shall have no other what? You shall have no other gods. There are many idols. Uh, sometimes we think of idols, we think about these little things that people worship. I don't think any of us, I've never heard anyone buy this little thing and maybe put it up on the windowsill, put it on the mantle above the fireplace, have it on the kitchen table. But an idol is that thing in my heart that I love and trust the most. Maybe the 1.1 billion or the fear of what's not going to happen. Dr. Martin Luther says an idol is a God that isn't found in the Bible. But one of the main idols, or the idol of our age, is stuff. It's materialism. And I'm a material boy. I'm living in a material world. Now, you know who sings that, right? Hit song. That's right. Materialism. And so Jesus has a discussion. And by the way, people are infected with materialism ever since Adam and Eve were in the garden. More stuff. Can you read the verse with me? Sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have great treasure in heaven. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And if you're unfamiliar with the rich young man and Jesus, the rich young man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because I'm really a good guy. And Jesus said, keep the commandments. And the rich young man said, I've kept them all. I didn't commit adultery. I didn't steal. I honor my father and mother. I love my neighbor as myself. I've kept all the commandments, Jesus. Am I good enough to go to heaven? Then Jesus tells the wealthy young man, maybe a Mark Zuckerberg type, 
maybe a 22-year-old millionaire, sell all your possessions and come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He went away sad. And Jesus didn't go running after him and say, I'll tell you what, you keep 50, I keep 50. Or what, let's make a 75-25 deal. You keep 75, I keep 25. Jesus let him go away sad. And some people believe that that might be St. James there. And the Holy Spirit stirred in his heart. He ultimately came that money wasn't everything. Much like the prodigal son who ate with the pigs and came to his senses. He went away sad because he had great wealth because money was his God. Jesus warns us about worshiping material things. Complete these. Do not store for yourselves treasures on what? But store up for yourselves, up for yourselves treasures where? What profits a person if they gain the whole yet forfeit their soul? Oh, I know that's talking about hell, but it's also talking about life on this earth when the only thing I care about, care about is stuff. Jesus warns us you cannot serve both God and what? Some of you said mammon, some of you said money. What's the difference? Well, we all need money. I got a new crown. I had to pay off the dentist. We paid the light bill. I put gas in the tank. That costs more. Also, going to a grocery store costs what? You know, it's that inflation. We all need money. Money buys stuff. We need new shoes. Have to take care of the kids. Have to pay city tax, property tax. Have to pay all sorts of taxes. I'll stop there. We all need money. Well, what's mammon? You know what mammon is. Mammon is that amount of money that you and I have left over at the end of each month. I paid all my bills. I was generous to those who I need to be generous with. And there's still what? Money left over. That's mammon. You can't serve both God and the extra stuff because the extra stuff is about what I want. Some people call it extra. Some people call it free money. Some people call it fun money. You can't worship both God and the extra stuff. There's a difference between what I need and what I what? Want. For the what? Let me say it again. For the what? Love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's not evil in itself, but it's loving money. Jesus warns us about that. And greed's an idol that can infest the wealthy, the middle class, and the poor. We're always taught in modern America that only the rich are greedy. There's a TV show called Greed in America. It only talks about the wealthy, but anyone can be greedy. Dave Ramsey writes this. The greediest person in the world is the one who refuses to take responsibility in their life. I'll look to somebody else to take care of me. I'll sponge off of somebody else. I don't have a whole lot myself. I'm pretty lazy, but I know how to get from others. That's a very greedy person. Luther flips it on his head. He says this. Can you read Luther's definition of greed? Go ahead. Luther takes the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, and he flips it over. The opposite of love is neglect. It's not hate. Greed is neglecting God and neighbor. Greed, I can be greedy whether I'm rich, middle class, or poor. We always taught that greed is wanting more. That's true. But there are some dangers there with greed. And so Jesus, Jesus points out those who have little who are generous. Do you remember two fish and five loaves came from who? The little boy... And Jesus told the disciples, go out. I'm, there's 5,000 men and their wives and their children and bring in food. And the only thing they could find was the little boy's happy meal. Brought the happy meal to Jesus. 
So Jesus blesses it. By the way, Jesus can bless something. Jesus doesn't bless nothing. And two fish and five loaves. Do you remember how many baskets were left over? Twelve. Even a person who is poor and give much. And then Joseph of Arimathea, he loaned his tomb to Jesus and had wealth to build another one. Greed and idolatry of materialism can affect everybody. The poor, the middle class, and the wealthy. So let me ask you, what are you chasing after? I want to be happy. I want my kids to be happy. I want my grandkids to be happy. I just want to have a trouble-free life. I want to have what my neighbor has. I want to have it all. What is it that you're chasing after? I want to keep up with others. I just want all the pain to go away. What is it you're chasing after? You see, the reality is, friends in Christ, if, if we look to materialism, we will find emptiness. Now, there's a group called Kansas, and they sung in the 70s and 80s, and some of them became Christians, and, and they realized that being a hit rock group, there was money and fame and women and everything anyone desired. And after they lived in that pig pen for a while, they came to realize that there's much more to life than just money and fame and success. They found if that's all there is, there's an emptiness. And so they sung these words. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you. This isn't Sunday morning karaoke, okay? You can sing it if you want. That's okay. Now, don't hang on. Nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It slips away and all your money won't another minute by. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. Dust in the wind. Everything is what? Friends in Christ, if materialism is our God, then everything is dust in the wind because it will never fulfill or mean anything without God. King Solomon is the been there, done that king. Remember King Solomon? God said to Solomon, I'll give you anything you want on earth. And Solomon didn't say, I want all this stuff. I wanted wisdom so I can help others. And God said in your generosity, I will bless you with everything. I mean, he had like a golden driveway. Driveway made out of gold. You know, he's like a 50,000 square foot home and six outdoor pools. He had it all. Solomon was so wise that pagan authors read him and pagan authors quoted him. He had it all. And he left God. And he saw that it was all meaningless. This is what King Solomon wrote. Read it with me. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utter meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a person gain from all of his labor at which he toils under the sun? Solomon said, I have all this wealth. I have a driveway made of gold. I have rubies all throughout my house. I have, I have ten servants. I have six swimming pools. And it's all meaningless. If you've ever read Dave Ramsey's book, I don't know if you're familiar with his book, Total Money Makeover. Dave Ramsey says, so what if you're rich and every meal you can have king crab or you can have crack crab and you have flaming young. And Dave Ramsey says, even with all that wealth, pretty soon crab begins to taste like chicken and flaming young begins to taste like hot dogs. Personally, I'd like to know what that's like, okay? I haven't figured that ever happened to me. But Dave Ramsey says, even if you get all that you want, it's still meaningless. It's dust in the wind. Sell all you have and give to the poor. Leave the pigs. Vanity is the atheist dilemma. You ever met an atheist? I met atheists. I talked to atheists online. And an atheist will debate me about the foolishness of religion. An atheist will debate me about the origins of the world. And eventually the atheist has some really strong opinions about God. A Roman Catholic priest said an atheist probably thinks more about God than you and I do. Because you're thinking about denying God. 
And eventually I'll tell the atheist, why are you debating me on this? Because if there is no God, then everything is meaningless. There is no meaning in life. We are nothing more than over-evolved apes that wear pants. There is no meaning in life. An atheist once said, well, I can't buy into that at all. I gave up that God stuff a long time ago, thank God. An atheist once told me. The atheist dilemma is there is no meaning and purpose in life. When I was in Napoleon, Ohio, uh, if I had a free weekend, I worked for an auctioneer, had, had a bunch of young kids. And so the deal was this, on Thursday and Friday, we'd go out and we'd pick up the deceased person's stuff. Had a big U-Haul truck and we'd fill up the truck Thursday and Friday and we'd take it over to a, a building or, or a basement somewhere. And we took all their stuff and we put it all on tables. Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning, about 8 o'clock in the morning, guess who came in? All sorts of people, all given a number. At about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, what happened to all their stuff? All gone. Blown in the wind. Friends in Christ, the same thing is going to happen to our what? Someday somebody else will own it or will be in the dump somewhere. Somebody will own everything that you and I have. So King Solomon, God speaking to Solomon, says this. Can you read it? For a person may do their work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. That's true. One day, everything we own, somebody else will own. It seems like life is meaningless. But life seems to be vanity, but there's an acceptance of the world. There is meaning. Two points I want to point to meaningfulness. Thankfulness. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see is from the hand of God. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was at a doxology conference in Indiana. Doxology is ongoing training for pastors. It's pastoral ministry for pastors. And what psychologists and psychiatrists are now saying is the best remedy for grief and for depression and for life is to be thankful. King Solomon points that out first. Be thankful. They recommend every night before you and I go to bed, we we become thankful for six things. Thankful for six things that happened to us or maybe thankful for six things that didn't happen to us. Eat and drink and find satisfaction is work. This too I see is from the hand of God. And the other thing there is faith. So it's Solomon writes. To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Knowledge of Christ Jesus who died and rose in happiness. And finally, let's go back to Ecclesiastes 2.21. So let me roll back. Hang with me. All right. There we go. For a person may do their work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. So who gave everything away that he worked for? Who lived a perfect life in servanthood? Who came to earth and loved everyone? Who came to earth and ultimately gave his life for all? Who's that talking about? Say it. For a person may do their work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill and leave it to someone who has not worked for it. His grace his mercy for us. And friends in Christ, that's where we have meaning. Jump up here. That's where you and I have meaning. Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me, I'll acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. Our meaning is in Christ's death and resurrection. Martin Luther says this about wealth. Can you read that first statement with me? Can I ask you, would you rather be wealthy or healthy? 
Would you rather be wealthy or healthy and wise? Would you rather be wealthy or would you rather have a lot of friends? Would you rather be wealthy and miserable and lonely? Or would you rather not be so wealthy and have people who love and care for you? Would you rather be wealthy without faith? Or would you rather be modest and know your treasures with Jesus? Wealth is the smallest thing that God has granted to us. He's granted us much more important things. Faith, family, friends, hope, love, purpose. Then Luther writes this. All who believe on Christ are kings and priests in the kingdom of heaven. Kings that we have the great blessings of faith and forgiveness. What a joy that is. Materialism ultimately leads to meaningless, but with Christ there's hope and peace in our meaning. So how about this for a closing thought? Sort of summarizes my message. Can you all read it with me? What is the world to me with all its thought and pleasure? When you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure, you only, dearest Lord, my soul delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? And all God's people say?